What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and and try to respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God desires for you to be. Um, If you're a first-time listener, uh, please hit me up with your critiques and your comments from this show, uh, some feedback. I love feedback. And then also, uh, shoot me some new questions for future shows so that we can accompany each other toward eternity. Also, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about this show. If the show is a gift for you, then potentially it can become a gift for other people as well. On today's show, we have four topics. We're going to talk about music, uh, good music, bad music. Um, We're going to talk about original sin. We're going to talk about state of life, vocations, and privations within those vocations because of pornography. And we are going to discuss healthy boundaries and relationships between priests and the ladies and women. And so those are some really cool questions that came in this week, and I hope that I can do justice in my response to those questions. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. My glory story this week is a glory story of gratitude, y'all. Man, God is such, he's a good, good father in I just, I came off of a retreat. I was on a silent retreat. And uh, the previous week I had Jen Settle. She's a consecrated virgin. She works with the Theology of the Body Institute up north. And she was here on a retreat in my parish. And so just her being here was a gift. And and then I went on my own retreat up in Omaha, Nebraska with Father Jim or James Rafferty. He's with the Institute uh, for Priestly Formation, uh, which is currently going on right now. And it was, I, I just, I don't know, I don't think words can adequately describe the graces that I experienced this past week. I mean, I just don't think, I mean, I was on a silent retreat and the Lord and I was with the Eucharist and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, that was like the Trinity and we were in nature and we were in chapel. I mean, we were all over the place, he and I. And I guess I'll just, I'll say this, the grace that I, I desired a lot was to abide, to abide together with God to really remain in him, to dwell with him. And all I can say is it was good. It was it was so good. It was such a gift. And so I, I know I mentioned in the previous episode I'll be going on retreat, and I'm actually meant to record this episode before retreat, but I got caught up in like a lot of work right before I went on the silent retreat, and so I wasn't able to. And so I'm glad I can just thank you for your prayers. For those of you who interceded for me while I was on retreat, it was it was a gift. It's all a gift. Everything's a gift, but Jesus is so good. And so, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I guess I can't articulate it. It was, it was, it is, I'm still unpacking it, but I'm also still living in the graces right now. I'm soaking in the graces. And um, if you've never been on a silent retreat, if you've never gotten away with Jesus, I, I would really encourage you to do so. Um, even if you do it at home, like even if you just like cut off your cell phone, cut off TV for like three days and then go to the Adoration Chapel at your local church um, go outside at the park with your scriptures, with your Bible, and just dwell with the Lord. Dwell with Jesus. He's so good. The Spirit of God is so good. Our Father is so good. And so, yeah, I'm very grateful. So uh, I just, yeah, that's my glory story. Is uh, one I guess I can't articulate, but I'm, I'm living in it right now, and I'm so grateful for the love of the Lord. Um, I will say this. I can't say this. It was like a musical, though. I will say that. It was, you know, me and music. And so... 
there was a lot of songs that I was able to pray with, um, um, along with the Blessed Sacrament and the Word of God. And there was a lot of songs that kept coming up in 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 my time with with the Lord, and so that really um, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I'm, I'm so in love. I am so in love with the Lord, and and He's in love with me. The Lord loves me, and so and He loves you. Ah, oh, He loves you so much. So yeah, my encouragement is: Hey, look, if you ain't been on a retreat, you gotta go. Gotta go if you can. Um, and um, and also, there's a really cool stay at home retreat you could do. Consoling the Heart of Jesus by Father Michael Gately is one you could do in like three days if you want. That's a, a beautiful way to pray. If you if you can't find a retreat director or get to a retreat center, um, then yeah, I would encourage that too. But yeah, that's my glory story. Is I'm I'm just I'm a priest who is in love with the Lord and grateful for Jesus and grateful for the sacraments and grateful for the Eucharist and grateful for the Scriptures and grateful for grace. It is all gift. All right, now before we get into our topics, we have some follow-up from previous episodes. Here's some feedback coming in from Chris. Chris says, Father Josh, I appreciate the feedback on my question and prayers on your most recent episode. As far as my annulled marriage, we went through the church, sacramental prep, and the annulment was grounded on grave defect of discretion of judgment by me. I anticipate largely because prior to marriage, she intended to convert and have family, and after she did not want children or to convert or to be married. I can't confirm that really because it could be because I was naive, etc. And the tribunal does not explain a ton, but it seems that it wouldn't be something to go to reconciliation over in that case. Praise God. Uh, but it surely shows me a weakness in which I can attempt to grow in holiness. Yeah, man, Chris, there's always room for growth for all of us. I mean, there's not one of us who's made it until we're a canonized saint, until we're in heaven. Um, yeah, there's still room for growth. Uh, I look at the lives of the saints and, and as good as they were, they recognized, oh man, I'm still not there yet. So Chris goes on to say, also a great story about the scapular and your friend Chris. Oh yeah, my buddy. Um, I'll pray for your continued ability to guide people through this podcast and in your parish at Adoration next week. Oh, thank you so much, man. Also, we have Megan gave us some feedback. She says, hey, Father Josh, I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, your podcasts are such a blessing to me. Blessings. Uh, it's the God in me. Uh, that's Mary Mary. I love your awesome advice. Your great singing voice. Wait, hold up. What did you say, Megan? I got a great singing voice. I hope my parents one day listen to this podcast because mom and daddy, I know y'all said I can't sing, but yo, check this out. Our community at Ask Father Josh is, is telling me otherwise. Um, I don't, Megan, I don't know if you know this or not, but I tried out for American Idol. <laughs> I, I tried out for American Idol. I, I tell y'all too much stuff, but yeah, years ago, and it was a joke. I did, I wasn't serious, but I was somewhere where they were at and uh, auditions were happening. And so me and my buddies were like, look, we're already here. We might as well just try out. And so we, as we were trying out, we were waiting in line and there were people in line uh, who were getting ready to go up to, you know, audition in front of us and, and they were singing and and I did not hear what they heard. Like when they sung, they heard something that to them sounded really great. And what I heard is what most of us hear when we watch shows like American Idol or X Factor, The Voice on TV. And we see it and we're like, ooh, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. And so, um, but then I, I recognize myself, like sometimes I, I sing and I think I'm like, I think my voice sounds great. And everyone else is like, yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. Right. It's it's not the best. But, uh, but you know, I just, I just, I think what happens is, is that, the Holy Spirit just doesn't let people like me who really can't sing super well. The He doesn't allow us to uh, to hear our, our the voices that everyone else hears. Um, and so, um, 
I really do. I, I do feel for the people who go on those shows because I'm like, you know what? I'm with y'all. Like, anyways, but but thank you for you thinking I can sing great. Uh, clearly, the Holy Spirit has given you that grace as well to hear something that most of the rest of the world does not hear. So Megan goes on to say, in your inspiring glory stories, and speaking of glory stories, I would like to share a glory story of my own with you. Oh, sweet. I love glory stories. So much, so much in the media, so much on the news is so negative and gossipy. And I just I can't stand the drama. I can't stand when people um just throw shade all day long and complain about other people and fuss about people and fuss about the church. And I'm like, y'all, like, really? Like, can we please talk about the goodness of the Lord and the awesome things that are happening with Jesus out there, but also with Jesus in our own prayer? So Megan says, I want to share a glory story with you. Throughout my childhood, so many people would tell me, oh, you're going to be a nun one day. Or when people asked me what I was going to be when I grew up, they would quickly say, she's going to be a nun one day. And I was so against it. I would always reply, nope, that's not me. When I was 12 years old, I was thinking about the life I'd planned out for me. And then, and I believe that it was the Holy Spirit talking to me, I started asking myself what God wants me to be. And maybe God does want me to become a nun. But I was 12, and I had no idea how one joins a religious order or the process which you go through. So I asked Mother Mary to help me. And if her son truly wanted me to become a nun, help me to learn how one joins an order. Within that same week, one of my friends who was 14 at the same time became an aspirant with the servant sisters of the home of the mother. She showed up unexpectedly at an event um, I was at uh, without me mentioning anything religious related or vocation related. And she told me about each step of entering the process and formation process. That event changed my life forever. And now I've been an aspirant with the missionary sisters of the Holy Family for almost two years. What? The vocation is one of the greatest gifts God has ever given me. And I would like to give some advice for anyone listening to your podcast that is trying to discern their vocation, but are confused about it. Ask yourself which vocation gives you joy. But remember, joy is not pleasure. God bless you, Father Josh, and everyone listening to your podcast, Megan. Megan, thank you so much for sharing this, this great glory story. Isn't it cool how the Lord fulfills our desires? Um, that's It's so, so cool. He answers our prayers, too. Whenever... Uh, whenever I was on retreat, my silent retreat uh, with my director, uh, there was, uh, uh, I'm not going to lie. So like I'm on this beautiful retreat. I'm experiencing this intimacy that I can't even put into words to tell you how awesome it was. And um, I, I had this desire for a steak. Like one night I was like, you know what, Lord, this retreat's really cool. And like, I'm totally in love with you, God. And I love, because I mean, we did four holy hours a day. So I, I got four hours. I mean, I really prayed the whole day. Like I was abiding him, but there was four specific Holy hours, too, where I would like go and be alone with the Eucharist, um, with the Word of God, with, with Jesus, the Spirit, the Father. And um, and yeah, and I was like, Jesus, I really want a steak right now. And that's just what I told him in prayer. I didn't say that to anybody. And and then my director said, Hey, do you wanna uh you wanna go grab a steak? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Come on, Holy Spirit. That was quick. So the the, the Lord fulfills our desires if they're good for our sanctification. So uh, yeah, Megan, thank you so much for sharing that glory story. I'm going to pray for you and all the other missionary sisters. Um, what a what a gift! What a gift is religious life. Um, yeah. So now let's jump into today's topics. All right, our first question comes in from Kate. Kate says, Dear Father Josh, please help me understand the concept of original sin. I came to the Catholic Church as an adult, and I love, L-O-V-E, love, I love studying the doctrines and history of the, no, I, mean, I love studying the doctrine and the history of the church. 
However, I don't understand this concept. I agree, and she's talking about original sin. I agree that God gives us free will, and as human beings, we have this built-in urge to do bad things, concupiscence. What I don't understand is how a newborn baby, fresh, a baby, can be stained by original sin. How are we marred by original sin due to Adam's sin? I've read the catechism passage on original sin, but I still don't quite get it. Please explain it to me or maybe direct me to a modern explanation. Yo, Kate, that is a great question. I love that that you're still leaning into it. Um, uh, Again, one of my scriptures that came up this week when I was on my silent retreat, again for me, was John chapter 6, the prayer of life discourse, whenever Jesus Christ told the disciples that um, they were invited to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and if they ate his flesh and drank his blood, they would have eternal salvation. And a bunch of his disciples left him when he said that. Like, they did not understand his difficult teaching. And I'm pretty sure that the the other disciples, many of them did not understand what he was saying, but they knew that they could trust Jesus. And so instead of just leaving Jesus like the other disciples, they leaned into Jesus, and eventually they got it. Um, so likewise, I love how you're leaning into Jesus right now. Um, and you're like, yo, I struggle with this teaching of original sin, um, but I'm not going to just like walk away from you, Jesus, and say, well, I'm done, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to just fight you, Jesus, and say, this is wrong. You're leaning in, and that's really beautiful. So let's lean into the voice of God. And where is the voice of God most clear for each one of us? I want to propose that voice is very clear for us in the sacred scriptures, the Bible. Um, and specifically, we can turn to King David, my boy, your boy, and Psalm 55.5. By the way, Psalm, that's the name that Kanye West and Kim Kardashian named their new son, Psalm. I've never heard of someone naming their, their child Psalm. I think that is a unique name. It's biblical. You know, it's a straight up biblical name. Um, I, uh, I've heard Matthew and I've heard Mark and I've heard Luke and I've heard John. I've heard Timothy and uh, Titus. And But yeah, Psalm is a new one. So um, shout out to the name Psalm. But in Psalm 55, 5, um, King David writes this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me, right? He says it. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. In sin did my mother conceive me. At the moment of conception, original sin is passed down to us. Um, so essentially to be born with original sin means we're born without the gift of God's supernatural life, which is a gift we would have received had Adam and Eve not forfeited that gift through their original sin, through their turning away from God. Um, St. Paul writes about this as well in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Um, he says it's, it's through the sin of Adam um, that sin and death has been communicated, right, given to all of us. And so when our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God, um, they, they lost that gift um, that protected them um, from, from, that, from death. Um, and so after losing this gift, our grace, as we would, we would call it in theology, um, uh, they, they could not pass down that gift that they originally had to their descendants because they lost it. Um, and so in turn, since their descendants cannot receive it, their descendants can't pass down what they don't have, right? You can't give what you don't have, right? So like modern explanation is this, is I cannot give you something that I myself do not have anymore. So if I've not received something, I cannot give it to you. If I have not received um, a ring from the store that I want to propose to you with, then I cannot give you that ring because I have not first received that ring from the, the store that sells rings. Uh, and in fact, I just did a wedding this past weekend. Uh, when I got off retreat, I had a wedding that night. And it's funny, the guy who proposed to the girl who now they're married, the two have become one flesh. Uh, shout out to them. The day he proposed, he forgot the ring. And uh, so you could not give her a ring because he did not have a ring to give to her. He straight up forgot it. He was so nervous. And so if we don't have the gift, we cannot give the gift. Adam and Eve did not have that gift anymore. Therefore, they could not give that gift uh, to, to us. 
Um, so they're, they're, um, it's not something we've done, right? It's not like a baby's done this, um, but it's an absence of this grace um, in our souls. And so what baptism does is baptism actually, it takes away that absence and fills us up with God's grace. So baptism puts something there that was not there before because our parents could not give that to us. And so God gives that grace to us through the gift of the church, through the gift of the sacramental life of the church, through the gift of baptism, right? That grace is given to us there. Um, and so their disobedience um, it was corrupted our human nature, um, but baptism, though it does not you know, prevent um, like the physical, like the, the, the fruit of it, right? Like concupiscence is still there after baptism. We still die. We still experience suffering, but we also get, we get the gift of supernatural life uh, from baptism, which is something Adam and Eve could not give to us. So yes, yeah, so that's a way to talk about it. Um, a modern way to explain this list. Uh, I, I've heard this through someone else. So I'll just try to share it in my, own, my own words. But um, as someone else has once said, um, in reality, like a lot of us inherit a lot of stuff from our parents, or, or we don't. Um, but sometimes, um, since original sin is like a lack, it's like the good isn't there. Um, this would be an example. Your dad is a millionaire, okay? Okay, so your dad is a millionaire, but then your dad unfortunately got caught up in some illegal deals, and, and now he's going to go to jail, right? And so your dad is going to get punished for his illegal activities. And not only is he getting punished for his illegal activities, but like you were in line to get millions of dollars from Papa, right? You were going to get some of his money, but because of his sin of illegal activity with the money, not only does he get punished for it, but you also cannot get the gift that you were going to get had he not done that sin, had he not messed up with the illegal activity. The gift that was intended to be given to you that you were supposed to inherit cannot be given to you now because he did not have it anymore. So instead of receiving that gift, you, you've gotten a void. Um, so that would be an example. Um, let me know if that helped, Kate. Uh, it's really a great question. I know a lot of people struggle with it. I was at the airport one time and somebody saw me. She was a sailor. Me and my buddy, Father Ruben, were in the airport. I think we were going to, I think it was when we were going to Medjugorje one time. Again, we don't go for the visionaries. We go, we've gone because the place itself feels anointed. Um, and so, um, but yeah, so we were in the airport and this girl's house in a collar and she was like, are y'all Catholic priests? And she was like throwing out all kind of slang and all kind of curse words. And, and so we just continued to engage her in conversation and love on her. And at one point she was like, yeah, but you cannot tell me you believe in that stupid teaching of original sin. And I was like, actually I do. Like when I, I'm a son of the church, like I'm not going to say I'm a Catholic priest and then not be Catholic. Like everything the church teaches, I'm going to be about, um, even if it's difficult. So we had a great conversation and, uh, it was beautiful. So we prayed for her since, uh, and maybe God would allow us to cross paths with her one day, but that's a whole nother story. So Kate, let me know if that was helpful. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com with your feedback from, uh, that answer to your question. Let me know if it was good. Um, if you also, our other listeners have other advice for Kate, other examples that could be used to help her, then shoot those to me as well. So we can continue to accompany her in her walk and in our walk toward Jesus. All right, next question comes in from Anonymous. Anonymous says this, 
Father Josh, I'm a new listener, and I got excited when you sang some songs on your podcast. I looked up Sorry Not Sorry, because I'm sorry, not sorry, and Erica, Erica, Erica Jane on YouTube, and they were explicit. A little girl in a Lebanese restaurant was grooving in Sorry Not Sorry. Yikes. And Erica Jane was straight up immodest. Is it okay to like this music? Because um, then I can go back to loving me some Usher and DMX from my day. Gave that stuff up when I was reverted. Anonymous. Great, great question. And I'm so, um, yeah, so true story. Um, whenever the little girl in the Lebanese restaurant was singing Sorry Not Sorry, there is a radio version, which is like a clean version of that song. And so uh, because I'm not a fan of like uh, Disney singers' music, as in I have never bought their albums or downloaded their music on iTunes, I was not aware that there was an explicit version of that song. Um, but thank God for your email or for your email, because now I know there's an explicit, uh, very disgusting version of Sorry Not Sorry by the, that Disney singer who sings that song. However, the radio version is clean and there's like the radio version. It's it's a fun song. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the radio version that the little girl was singing was fine, right? Because it didn't have any of the F-bombs or any of the unnecessary cursing that um, the other version does have, which is disappointing. But praise God you're bringing that to my attention. So now I know. I didn't know that before because I'm not a fan of that kind of music um, as far as, you know, I would never buy it because, yeah, it's just, that's not my style. But it is catchy, right? And so um, clean, edited versions, radio songs, I, I think are fine. Uh, I, I think as a Christian, we have to discern, right? Like if it's something's edited and it's whatever, um, yeah, that's cool. But then again, uh, we do have to avoid um, unnecessary songs, which can be the explicit versions of those songs. And as far as purchasing them as well, like there's one thing to listen to it, but it's another thing to purchase it because you're giving money to the artist to continue to make trashy music. So um, I would definitely not encourage buying the songs um, if it's going to encourage the artist to not um, make clean music. Or if you do buy it, I guess one could potentially maybe buy the clean versions. That way we give the record labels a clear witness that we don't want the trashy music that sometimes they encourage the artist to perform, to write, to sing. As far as Erica, Erica Jane goes, um, yeah, so I have never heard of Erica Jane um, on YouTube until you've told me about her. Whenever I've done the tune, Erica, 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 Erica Jane, that comes from a play on a song from the early 2000s called Erica Kane, sung by the late R&B singer Aaliyah, which was basically a song that she was singing about a, a woman who was destroying a lot of people's lives because of her lust. And in the song, she encourages people to stay away from that person, to avoid the near occasion of being in the company of that person because that person currently is not healthy to be around. And so the reason why I took out the word Cain and said Jane is because I know someone by the name of Erica Jane. Um, did not know that um, Erica Jane is also... A, a trashy, um, immodest singer. And so, yeah, so that's good to know. So one of the gifts of me knowing that now is we as a community can pray for Erica Jane um, to have a conversion, to fall in love with Jesus, to stay in love with Jesus and to become a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. One thing that I always love to do is, is recognize why has God shown me this side of this person, right? Why has he allowed me to see this person's imperfections? And it's not so that I can just... Um, recognize it and be like, oh, that person's, you know, trash or that person's immodest. It's so I can say, hey, I can pray for that person. How can I fast for that person? Like intentionally, like, there are people that we see on TV who we're now connected to because like our community is beyond just our neighborhood now. Now we have a community of people on social media and on television and movies. And if we see them do something that is not in accord with the gospel, then we have an opportunity as members of the body of Christ to intentionally intercede for them to become great saints. And so let's pray for this person by the name of Erica Jane, not my friend. You can pray for my friend, Erica Jane too, but for the one that is... Um, 
as you say, immodest. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I, I, I Googled and I completely was like, uh, uh-uh, I can't look at that. That's not, not healthy at all. Um, so uh, I can pray for her without having to 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 look at the Google. Um, so um, and I would encourage you to do the same. Um, but also, as far as um, other songs go, like with Usher, DMX, and stuff like that. I mean, the again, Christians discern. Not every Usher song is bad, right? It's like Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is is a popular artist today, and he has some songs that are secular, and they are good. Like, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Like, we don't have to only listen to Christian music or to Gregorian chant or to Catholic artists. Like, we can also listen to secular artists who sometimes in their music, they're able to help us encounter um, deeper desires of our hearts. And I think some of Usher's music can do that as well as Ed Sheeran. But Ed Sheeran also has some music that I've heard that I'm like, I would never buy that on iTunes. I would never support that um, because some of his songs also have, I think, are not good. Likewise, same goes to Usher. So it's up to discernment to say, um, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I also need to discern what can I listen to of Usher, right? Or of Ed Sheeran. And then what can I not listen to? What of Usher's music draws me closer to to the divine, to God? And what if it pulls me further away from God? What if Ed Sheeran's music draws me closer to God, that it can like elicit desires in my heart um, to be a gift to other people, to be a gift to our Lord? And what if his music actually um, pulls me further away? Um, I don't think it's ever appropriate for any songs, any music from any artist to ever use like F words and stuff like that. And so um, that's just not cool. And I, I just wouldn't um, ever encourage people to support that kind of music because then if they're getting paid for it, they're going to keep doing it. Um, but whenever clean music is what's popular, then clean music is what artists eventually put out, right? Because they what they care about is the almighty dollar, um, as most people in our world do. So hopefully that's helpful. And I'm, I'm grateful for you, Anonymous, because you are a member of the body of Christ who was able to, to hear something and see something that I wasn't aware of. Um, and so you've made me aware of something I did not know before, which is so cool because we're really a community and we're really walking with each other. And you're showing me things I didn't know. And hopefully I'm able to show you things that um, maybe you weren't aware of either, because let's just face it. We all need each other. We can't make it to heaven without the body, without the community, without the church. And so let's all Continue to lean into each other so that we can be faithful and persevering and leaning into Jesus. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions about state of life vocations and privations due to pornography. And also we're going to talk about um, boundaries between priests and the ladies. Uh, Stay tuned. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. That's youtube.com slash ascensionpresents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, we are back. Uh, Welcome back. And before we get into our, our last two questions, I just want to remind you to hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com with your questions. You can record voice notes like some of our listeners have done in the past, and we can play that in future shows. And don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. This really does help other people find out about the, the show. And so um, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people know about this podcast and our community, and they can accompany us and walk with us as we can walk with them toward Jesus now and forever. Now and forever. 
what's that uh, Luther Vandross song? Um, mm, 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 I don't remember. Never mind. Rest in peace, Luther. So next question comes in from Haley. I know a Haley growing up. Haley says this. Hey, father, I have a question somewhere in the following statement. LOL. I was listening to Matt Frad's Pints with Aquinas podcast on vocations, and he brought up that there is a reality that single people may need to begin to embrace in society at this moment in time. That's the fact that we may not have someone out there for us, essentially that we just may not get married one day. He referenced pornography addiction as a big cause in this I definitely agree with him as I'm starting to realize at 26, it never really occurred to me, LOL, that I was never promised a husband by God. But it is really hard to come to terms with this potentiality because I do really feel called to marriage and I'm working at bettering myself to be able to answer that call if when it comes. I'm still young and I still have time, but I think it's good to realize and pray with these things. But I have some questions. In saying that this is true, are we saying that these people were never called to marriage in the first place? Like, could I be wrong about feeling called to marriage? Or are we saying that we could be called to marriage and because of the time, situation, state of society, not able to fulfill that call? It's just really sad to think about an entire generation or generations of people who might be willing, capable of, and called to marriage, but may never be able to. All that being said, I know that marriage is not an end goal of this life. I'm slowly wrapping my mind around that, and the Lord is moving in big ways to teach me that. I just wish this entire topic was talked more about in the church today and not just amping up marriage and preceded religious life like one of the three guaranteed is guaranteed to us if it isn't. Thanks. Oh, Haley, this is such a good question. Like, I really, really, really love this question. So, yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves, and again, I'm not perfect, so I could be wrong in having this pet peeve, but it is a pet peeve of mine now, and I'm okay to being um, critiqued because of it. And I'm okay to change my thought on it and down the line, I, c- I could be wrong, but I do not like whenever people, um, are encouraged to, uh, they're encouraged to like wear purity rings for the sake of one day you're going to exchange this ring with your spouse. Like one day you're going to get married to a person and that person is going to give you a different ring to wear. And so it's like, I'm all about purity rings for the sake of just being pure, but not for the sake of like saying that one day you're going to have a spouse, right? And a lot of people are told that, that lie, that, that um, you have a soulmate out there for you. And so they believe that, that there's someone out there for them that they're supposed to enter into the sacrament of matrimony with, but not everyone is, is going to be married. Like that's just a reality. Not everyone has a soulmate out there, right? That's not the path for everybody to become a saint. The end goal, like you said, is to become a saint. The means to becoming a saint for some is the state of life vocations, which are three, uh, holy orders, um, marriage, and consecrated life, religious life, right? Those are the three state of life means to the end of marriage for that vocation. But that's not the only means to the end of becoming a saint. The other end is by being holy in the present moment, by abiding in relationship with Jesus Christ in the present moment, by remaining in relationship with God, like allowing God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to dwell with you. Like that's how we become a saint. Right, whether we are in a state of life vocation, marriage, holy orders, consecrated religious life, or not. Um, not every single canonized saint was in the state of life vocation. There are saints who made it to the end goal without that particular means. The other means, again, is in the holy, holy now being in relationship with God, abiding in him. And so, um, like, for instance, Dr. Giuseppe Muscati, right? he's a saint. He's a saint who was not married he did not enter in the sacrament of marriage. He did not enter into a religious community. He was not a priest. He was a, a doctor. 
He was a layman who was a doctor and who's now a canonized saint, as well as Jacinta and Francesco and, and Chiara. And there's so many saints who've preceded us in our walk toward eternity who became saints without entering into a state of life vocation. That being said, state of life vocations are the normative path to making an authentic gift of ourself. Again, not everyone is going to enter into a state of life vocation and their walk toward eternity, but it is the normative way that we can, um, for most of us, concretely give ourselves. But we shouldn't idolize that. That's an icon. That icon should point us to the idol. But what we've often done is we make an idol out of the state of life vocation. Like, I got to get married. I got to become a priest. I got to become a religious sister. I got to get consecrated. Um, I, it's it's okay to like just be in relationship with Jesus and and long for marriage and long for a religious order to accept us and long for a diocese to accept us to be a priest and long for a bishop to allow us to be a consecrated virgin or whatever. Um, but if that doesn't happen, it's, we still have Jesus. Like Jesus Christ is still sufficient. God is still enough, and He's enough to get us to heaven. He's enough to make us a saint. And so we don't have to be in a state of life of vacation by the time we're twenty six or thirty. I mean, my mom didn't marry my dad until she was in her thirties. You know, and so. When I was doing college campus ministry, a lot of the kids were like, oh my goodness, I'm 21 years old, I'm about to graduate, and I don't have a ring by spring. What was wrong? I'm like, whoa, 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 calm down. Just, just be in love with Jesus. And, and he might invite you into a state of life vocation if it's going to help you become a saint. And he might not if, if you don't need that state of life vocation to become a saint. Um, is someone called uh, to the vocation of marriage and is this pornography, um, is pornography making their, that a privation for many? Yes, I think that there are many people who um, can be married. I think the, the call to marriage is on every human heart. Like every man in some way, shape, or form is called to give himself as a spouse. Um, and, and so I, I wouldn't say it's like, um, uh, and this is where I could get in some, some hot water. I wouldn't say it's a call in the same way. There's like a call to, and, and again, every state of life vocation is good and holy and whatever. Um, it's really awesome. Um, but again, I, I think that the word calling is is. I'm just, I'm, you know what? I'm going to use some prudence, and I'm not going to comment on that right now. I would just say this. Yes, because of pornography, some people who want to get married and who are capable of marriage might not get married because the person that they want to marry cannot be married to them because they're addicted to pornography, because they cannot love them well right now because they're so into pornography, they're objectifying people, and they can only lust, and they cannot make a gift to themselves. And because of that, um, other people um, will not marry them because they're not free to marry, right? Because they're they're addicted to it. They're not getting help. They're not seeking counseling. They're not in spiritual direction. They're not going to confession. They're not having covenant eyes or doing Strive 21. They're not getting the support that they need to break free from this addiction. And so that is impacting many, many people who could be married but are not married um, because of this evil of pornography. Um, so... Yeah, there are. It's, it's sad. It is sad. But it's what's great is that you're still called to be a saint. And what's even greater is that Jesus Christ is sufficient and that Jesus Christ is enough. And that, yes, you have these desires and you keep giving those desires to Jesus. And if being in a state of life vocation is the way that you will become a saint, I guarantee you, you're going to be in a state of life vocation. But if a state of life vocation is not the way that you're going to become a saint, you're not going to get that gift of a state of life vocation, but you're going to receive a gift that is better for you, which is a gift of Jesus now in the present moment. And he is so good in the present moment. He's good forever and ever, forever, forever, ever. One thing I always tell married couples whenever they get married is I always remind them that whenever the, the woman is walking down the aisle 
she's not walking to the man as if the man's in and of herself, the groom. She's walking toward him so that together they can walk to Jesus. They can face Jesus in the sanctuary, you know, Jesus in the tabernacle. They can face the Lord because they're facing the end. They're saying, I'm a means. You and I are a means to get to him. Like you are, you are the way that I'm, I'm going to hopefully get to Jesus. And I'm the way that you're going to get to Jesus and abide in Jesus. And so, um, but again, uh, Yes, so due to pornography, due to sin, not due to privations, not just pornography, but there are many privations out there that prevent people from entering state of life vocations. And and they those people who cannot enter into a state of life vocation are still called to the number one vocation and primary vocation, which is to be a saint. So hopefully that was helpful. Um yeah, but yeah, I do think it's unhealthy to like always tell people like, you know, like, yeah, you're there's someone out there for you. I was like, mm, not necessarily. Like Jesus is out there for us, you know, but not necessarily. We might be single the rest of our lives or we might, you know, be called to a different state of life vocation. So I would just encourage you to continue to lean into Jesus and, and be open to Jesus inviting you to heaven um, with your longings for marriage as a single person in, in, or um, be open to however Jesus is inviting you to be a saint. Just, just be with Jesus, abide in Jesus, and and that's enough. And He'll do the rest. It's everything's a gift. Just focus on Him. I know that sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, but He can be pretty simple at times. So Haley, let me know what you thought about that. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't go there. I, I might go there in the future. There, there's a piece where I didn't go there in the in the answer um, because I'm trying to practice prudence uh, on my tongue, custody of that tongue, but. Uh, I'm a, I'll go there eventually. I will. I will. We'll continue to walk with each other. So uh, hit me up. Let me know if that was somewhat helpful for you and our listeners. Our final question comes in from Central America from my anonymous spiritual daughter, my Mija, Ija, uh, Buenos, Buenos Dias, my anonymous spiritual daughter. Como estas? Dios te bendiga. That's, uh, you know, I used to do missionary work in Mexico. And I did missionary work in Guatemala and Nicaragua. But my my ability to communicate in those tongues is, is uh, it's lacking right now. Got to practice. So, hola from Central America. Love, love, love your podcast. Don't miss one. You are a blessing. And I have to admit, you're one of my spiritual directors, smiley face. Oh, that's nice to hear. I've been struggling with this question for quite some time now. Can a real friendship exist between a priest and a woman when they click so much in personality? Where should we draw the line? I've been consulting it and have found very different answers. So I want your input on this. Thank you and God bless. Gracias por todo lo que hace. Es una gran bendición para mucha gente en muchos países, no solo USA. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what I just read, but uh, thank you for it. I think you said something about thank you so much uh, and your blessing and... Uh, not just for people in the marriage. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my bad. So look, again, you just inspired me. I really do need to like go back to my Duolingo app and um, and you know learn Spanish because if I'm going to communicate the gospel to everybody, I need to learn Spanish. I mean, I need to I need to relearn Latin. Um, I want to learn Hebrew. Uh, there are so many tongues that I think are important for me to learn to be an effective minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so y'all pray for me that I can be more uh, diligent, diligent in my my studies. So on your question, yeah, that's a really good, great question. Yes, it is possible for friendships to exist between priests and women. Uh, St. John Paul the Great was friends with Mother Teresa. Um, St. Francis was friends with St. Clair. Um, St. Francis was a deacon, but yeah, nonetheless, they're, they're religious. Um, 
again, boundaries are always important. Um, it, it all depends on the circumstances, right? Is it an older woman and a younger priest? Like, is it like a, a 50, 60 year old woman and a 26 year old priest? Um, is it a priest who's 26 and the woman's 26? Um, if so, can they be friends? Yes. But with boundaries, there are certain things that a priest should never share with a woman because of the emotional boundaries. There are things that a woman should not share with the priest. Uh, again, because even though he's a priest, he's still a human and he still might have uh, an affection for that woman, especially if she's in a similar age range as him. And so I think that there are certain things that priests should only share with their brother priest and um, with their spiritual directors, with their confessors. And there are things that those women should likewise share. If a woman's going to be friends with the priest, then I would not recommend having that priest also um, uh, like, you know, be somebody that, you know, especially if they're the same age that she's confiding in her deepest, darkest secrets all the time, right? Um, just for boundaries, like when do you hang out? Like, is it, are you going out late at night with each other? That wouldn't be appropriate um, for not only because of scandal, but because again, um, as holy as some women are and as holy as some priests are, um, we're still also human beings who are fallen and who have concupiscence. And it just, we don't ever want to put ourselves in a near occasion of, of crossing any boundaries. So when do you hang out? Um, is it in the afternoon? Is it at church? Is it, you know, whatever? Is it inclusive of other, uh, or is it an exclusive relationship? Do we allow other people to join it? If it's a priest and a married woman, is her husband also involved in their friendship? Are there kids involved? Or is it like an exclusive, exclusive thing? Um, that would not be good, um, ever. Um, why, why are you spending time together? Like when, where, why, um, how do you share with each other? How do you, um, how do you, uh, have physical boundaries with each other. Like I would never think it's okay ever think it's okay for a priest to like, um, have an extended hug and an extended embrace with a woman who is a friend of his. Um, not good at all. No, I wouldn't do it. So, um, you know, you shake hands, you give like a side hug thing right there, but an extended hug, no bueno, not good at all. Nada. No, um, that is not healthy at all. Um, ever. Mm -mm. And so I would not ever encourage that, even if they've been friends for years, like, yeah, mm -mm, nope, not, not good. Um, and so what kind of physical boundaries are there? Um, and again, um, what is the, if the woman is sharing things with the priest as a friend, if she's married, she really should be sharing those same things with her husband. Um, and, and the priest should be encouraging there to be a transparency in those relationships, um, as well. Um, so yeah, is it possible to be friends between priests and priest, priest and religious, priest and lady, priest and men, priest and women? Yes, to all of the above. But in all of the above, there's also needed boundaries to cultivate healthy friendships, healthy relationships um, between each other. Um, so I would just say use common sense um, and 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 don't cross any lines that um, could could really lead the other person into sin, you know, because again, we are all fallen still. And God is divinizing us over time, certainly, and grace is real and gifts are real, but we still need to have appropriate boundaries to protect our vocation. And when I say vocation, I don't just mean state of life vocation. I mean our primary vocation, which is to become saints, to abide in Christ at all times. And so insofar as those friendships are helpful, for us to grow closer to God, praise him. As St. Ignatius would say in his foundation, uh, foundational principle, right? If it helps us get close to God, then yeah, go for it. But if it in any way becomes a problem, if, if we in any way begin to think more about that friendship than we are about God, if we're thinking more about that person than we are about Jesus, 
if um, if that person's lack of time they're giving to us is affecting us in such a way that we are having emotional breakdowns, then I would say that there's a lot of disorder there and that there should be some detachment from them and more attachment to him, Jesus, so that Jesus can give us the grace to be able to appropriately love them, whoever they are, um, in our walk toward eternity by his grace. So um, my Miha, uh, my daughter, uh, I hope that was helpful for you. All right, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Um, here are some universal points from our last question going first. Um, last question is, is again, um, the foundation principle. Always think about that. How does this person, how does this place, how does this thing help me grow closer to Christ? And does it in any way, shape, or form take me further and further away from Christ? If so, I need to avoid that which takes me away from Christ and prioritize that which brings me to him. And so we prioritize near occasions of grace. We avoid near occasions of of sin. Uh, when it comes to vocations, we're all called to be saints. That's the primary vocation. That's the number one vocation. Stay of life vocations are awesome gifts, and we should certainly discern those. Um, but if we find ourselves single and not in a stay of life vocation, um, it might be because of a privation, but that does not mean that we're any less holy or any less called and chosen by God to become a saint. Um, when it comes to music, keep in mind that some music um, will be like St. Ignatius says, will be gifts for us. It'll be fun. It'll be life-giving, help us to relax, help us to even get closer to God, and other music will not. And so we have to discern um, where is the voice of God speaking through this music and where is the enemy creeping in and affecting me in a negative way in my walk toward eternity. And finally, with regards to original sin, uh, it's more so this this lack, um, this void, uh, and, and there's a gift that we receive from God um, in the sacraments and baptism. And so um, shout out to the awesome sacrament of baptism um, that fills us with his grace uh, because we're all about that grace, about that grace. No devil um, in our walk toward eternity. So y'all uh, stay tuned for future episodes. Keep me in your prayers and I will keep you in my prayers. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com with more questions, comments, critiques. Let's help each other become saints in our walk toward eternity. And finally, let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's the prayer right there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Trinity. Oh, God is so good. Let us abide together with his love, with his grace. Bye.